love you. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you believe that this morning, that, that he is worthy, that you know, no matter how you come here this morning, whether you're dry and need filled up, whether you're discouraged and need to be encouraged, however you come this morning, I hope you believe that Jesus is worthy and that he can, he is the one that fills you up. We're in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, and as we have journeyed through this book of Daniel, uh, these first six chapters show us how that we live as aliens in a foreign land. As we track with Daniel and his friends, we learn how to live as aliens in a foreign land. Daniel lived as an alien in Babylon as a stranger in the land. And we as followers of Christ, we live as strangers. We are aliens in this place. This is not our home. And as we track with Daniel through this, these first six chapters, that's the one thing we should take away from, from these first six chapters is learning from Daniel how to live in a pagan world. And in Daniel chapter 1, we were introduced to, to Daniel. Daniel, at this point in chapter 6, is a very old man. He came to Babylon as a teenager. And, as, and in all of his adult life, he spent serving in the courts of various pagan kings. Living with lions, in a sense, for his whole life. Now Daniel is probably between 80 and 90 years old. He's serving under a new king, a king named Darius. And as we have tracked through, the names have changed, but the spiritual challenge stays the same. The same for him as it is for us. Daniel always had to choose which king he would serve. Is he going to serve the king of, of the country, the king of the world, or is he going to serve the king of the universe? As followers of Christ, we have that same decision to make on a regular basis. Will we serve the God of this world? Or will we serve the one true God? And as Daniel chapter 6 opens up, once again, Daniel is being promoted to a higher position. It says in verse 3 of Daniel chapter 6 that, that Daniel had so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole country. Now, not everybody was excited about the news that Daniel was about to be promoted to this high position. And it says... In verse, at the end of verse 4 and beginning of verse 5, he says, but it says that in verse 4, it says, at this, at the, at the announcement that Daniel's being promoted, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds to charge for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs. Then it says, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. 
And so finally they threw up their hands and they said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it is something to do with the law of his God. So the the administrators and the satraps, they sit down and, and they devise this plan, a scheme. They go to Darius and, and they tell him, look, Darius, here's what you need to do. You need to make a law that for 30 days, everyone in the whole empire will pray only to you. They will worship only you. They will worship no other gods. They will worship only you. Darius thinks about a little bit and he thinks, you know, that's a really good idea. Remember we talked about pride a couple of weeks ago? This is, this is talking to Darius's pride. He thinks about how he will be elevated, how he will be worshipped, how people will look to him. So he says, everyone is going to pray to only me, to, to the king. But what Darius didn't understand what is that Daniel was the intended target here. Daniel was was, I believe, a very good friend of Darius. Darius trusted Daniel. That's why he came up through the ranks and was going to be made the highest official in all the land because Darius trusted him. And he had no idea that Daniel was the, the intended target here. And once he had made this law, there was no going back to undoing the law. And I wonder how often do we, how often do we say yes to things, maybe because of our pride, because we want to be noticed, because we want to be elevated, how often do we give in to, to things before we consider the implications of our yes? And it gets us in trouble. I believe that's what happened with Darius here is because of his pride, because of his selfishness, he said yes to something before he realized what it was going to cost him. What are you saying yes to that's going to cost you more than what you thought it would cost you? So the law is made. The law is announced to the whole empire that everyone is going to pray only to Darius. And it says in verse 10, and here we see Daniel's devotion coming out. In verse 10 it says that, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been, had been published, he went to his home, upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had always done before. So, so this was something that Daniel had always done. Every day, everybody knew that they could find Daniel praying. So Daniel continued to live out his faith, just as he had done for the past 70 years. Everyone he interacted with knew that he was a godly man. 
And as you look at Daniel, these are three of the marks that he was a godly man. And as believers, these are three marks that should, that should really identify us. You know, Daniel was always faithful in his duties. And we see that in verse 3. It says that he distinguished himself. In other words, he did his job well. He always did what he was asked to do as long as it didn't compromise his faith. He did everything with joy and with excellence. And he always showed respect to those he worked with. And as you read about Daniel throughout this book, you realize everybody respected Daniel because everyone saw that, that he was a man that fulfilled his obligations. You know, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Let me ask you a question. When you talk to the people that you work with, or the people that you go to school with, or the people you attend church with, Do they see this quality in you? Are you a person that faithfully fulfills your duties? Are you a person that works with all of your heart as for the Lord? Are you faithful in your duties? Because that's something that really distinguished Daniel from the rest of the people. And in our jobs, people see whether we fulfill our duties or whether we don't, they see whether we, we work with joy or we work, we, we're grumbly and complaining. We all know people that complain and, 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 and just are really hard to work with. I hope that's not you. And Daniel was also faultless in his character. Now, even his enemies saw that he was trustworthy and says, neither corrupt nor negligent. He was a man of character. And everybody around him, everybody that rubbed shoulders with Daniel, knew the kind of character that he had. And you know, when, when people watch us long enough, they will know whether we have character or not. They will know whether or not Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is, is evident in us. Do we have the fruit of the Spirit in us? Do people see joy? Do they see love? Do they see peace? Do they see patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Paul says, against these there is no law. That is character. If people watch us long enough, they will see what our character is, whether our character is godly or not. Because whatever is in your heart eventually will come out. And people will see the real you. But 
even in, like in Daniel's case, even his enemies had to admit that he had no glaring weaknesses, that he was full of character. And you know, Peter speaks to this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He, Peter says, look, as aliens and strangers, us, we are aliens and strangers in this world, we're supposed to abstain from sinful desires which war against us. And then Peter encourages or commands us, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. And what happens when the world sees our good deeds? Peter says they glorify God. So, so do my deeds, the way I live my life, point people to Jesus. That's really the question that we have to ask ourselves. Does my life, does my character point people to Jesus? Because Paul, or or, or Daniel, it was very evident in his life who his king was. And if people were to if, if, if your enemies or the, or the people of this world, your co-workers would decide they're going to check you out to see if they can't find anything in your character that, that is a flaw that they can bring to your employer or they can bring to someone, would I be able to withstand That scrutiny, you know, what would people see when, or what would they hear when they talk to my family and, and, and wonder what kind of a, of a father and husband I am? You know, when, when, when they would, if they would look at my, my Google search history, what would they find there? If they would look at my favorite TV shows and the things that I watch, what would they find? Because the things you watch on TV really matter. It says something about your character. If they heard the jokes you told, what would they say? Or that I told? Would, would the conclusion be the same as it was of Daniel's enemies that we, can find, we can't really find anything wrong to charge him with? Now, we're imperfect people. We mess up. But character is who we are when nobody is watching. What is your character like? Are you faithful in your duties? Are you a person of character? And the third thing that marked this or distinguished Daniel, that made him different, was that he was fervent in prayer. He prayed every day at the same time, in the same way. He prayed so regularly that even his enemies knew where they could catch him and when they could arrest him. So Daniel was really arrested for being a man of prayer. 
And the evidence against him was overwhelming because his prayer life was so regular. Daniel went on a business trip. He still prayed. Daniel went on vacation. He still prayed. When Daniel was busy working, he still he still prayed. You have to remember, Daniel was a busy guy. He was the, the main guy in the empire. He ran the empire. He had a heavy load, a, a full plate. And yet he still found time to pray because he knew that prayer was the key to him being able to fulfill his duties as a leader. Prayer was so important to Daniel that he was willing to risk his life. He knew the, the, the law that had been made. He knew that the king had signed it. And that Daniel continued about his daily routine in prayer. And it was so important to him that he would rather die than give up his regular time of prayer. And he was found guilty because of the evidence. And I wonder, if, could I be arrested because of my regular prayer life? Would there be enough evidence against me to arrest me because I'm praying? How much do we pray? How important really is prayer to us? Think back this week real quick. Last seven days. How big of a part did prayer play in your life? And I don't want to hear I was too busy or I was running the kids here and there. That doesn't matter. Prayer must be a part of our daily walk with Jesus. Our walk will not be healthy if prayer is not healthy. Daniel continued to pray. He just kept on doing it and doing it. And, and eventually, Daniel's faithfulness got him thrown into a lion's den. It says in verse, verse 16, after the king, and it says the king actually, he tried to find a way to get Daniel out of this situation. He tried to find a way to keep from throwing Daniel into the lion's den. And yet, it says that the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. And then the king said, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. And says a stone was placed over the mouth of, of, this, um, of this den. And there was Daniel in this den with maybe dozens of lions. Thinking this was something they did back then. Fed people to lions. 
And as Daniel goes down and he lands at the bottom of this, of this hole, probably just waiting to feel the first jaw latching onto him, tearing his flesh from his bones. And, and there he sits, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, waiting for the fire to come, and nothing happens. Daniel hears the breathing of the lions. He, 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 he maybe even feels the fur of the lions, and nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. There are no roars. There are no teeth biting him. And the, 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 the minutes turn into hours. And the lions don't touch him. Now, can you imagine the frustration of the lions? Here they've got a meal. I had to think of the Arby's commercial. They probably said, we have the meat. And that we can't eat the meat. I don't know if that's how it went. But Daniel is not saved from the lion's den, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't saved from the fiery furnace. But we see Daniel's deliverance, and, and God didn't prevent him from being thrown into the den. He was there with him. I don't know what your den, lion's den, is today. Because some of you are here and you're feeling you live with the lions. You're feeling the oppression. You're feeling the, the tension. And you, you want out. But you know, Isaiah, Isaiah says, God, the Lord says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. What do you need rescued from? today. We serve a God who still rescues and saves. We serve the same God that delivered Daniel from the lion's den. What do you need rescued from? As, and as, as we read these first six chapters, there's some lessons that we learn from Daniel. The first thing that we learn, one of the things we learn is that it's possible to live a pure life in the midst of a thoroughly pagan world. It's possible for us to live godly lives in the midst of this world we live in. Because we live in a pagan world. We are not a Christian nation. 
You know, we complain as Christians about our secular environment, about how hard it is to live here, and, and yeah, that's true. And at some point, we have to acknowledge that, that absolutely, we, we, live in a, we live in a secular environment. We live in a world that doesn't believe in the God that we believe in. They don't share our faith. But in spite of the fact that we live in a world that doesn't share our faith in Christ, I must continue to live for Christ on the job. I must continue to live for Christ in my school. I must continue to live for Christ in in every environment I find myself in. Because it is possible and it is expected, it is necessary for us to live pure lives, to live godly lives in the midst of our pagan world. Daniel did, and we can too, through Christ. We can't do it on our own. Something else we learn from Daniel is that as Christians who live for God, we we should expect opposition. I don't know why we're surprised when people don't agree with us or they want to ban this or ban that. We shouldn't be surprised that we face opposition. We should expect opposition. Some reason we think that when we become Christians, life should become easy. It doesn't become easier. God gives us the strength to live in the midst of this opposition. When Jesus said we need to take up our cross daily and follow him, he was serious. He was saying, look, our faith is going to cost us something. Does your faith cost you anything? Again, Peter, back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter says, don't be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though it were something strange happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may overjoyed when His glory is revealed. We are aliens and strangers looking forward to that day when we meet the glorious Christ. We should not be surprised when we face opposition. Peter says we should rejoice. And then the third thing we learn from Daniel is that that, that God can use us to touch unlikely people when we are faithful to him. Look at the people that Daniel impacted. Nebuchadnezzar, who was a brutal king was impacted by Daniel. Darius was impacted by Daniel. Thousands of people were impacted because of Daniel's faithfulness. Our lives can impact people that we don't realize we're impacting. Are you praying for the people that you put on the card at the beginning of the year? Are you interacting? Are you looking for ways to connect with them? 
Daniel chapter 6, all of Daniel, these first six chapters, show us the powerful effect of personal integrity and interaction with non-believers. People watch us. So be careful what you do and what you say when you call yourself a Christian. Because your example, the way you're living your life as a godly person is pointing somebody to Jesus. And our carelessness, our careless speech, our careless actions as believers can also lead people in an entirely different direction. We can impact people if we live lives of character that reflect Christ. Something else we learn from Daniel in these first six chapters is that God is able to deliver his people from any danger they face. He can deliver us from anything. He delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He delivered Daniel several times. And there are generations of Christians that, that, that take courage in Daniel's story. That the same God who is sovereign over the lions is sovereign over your situation. And God always delivers in his own time and in his own way. See, there's a necessary balance here. God doesn't always deliver his, us from the things we want to be delivered from the way we want to be delivered from and when we want to be delivered. Think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist got his head cut off for being faithful. Does God deliver his people? Yeah. But not always the way that we expect. Not all of our prayers are answered the way that we pray them. God sees the bigger picture. As we close this section of Daniel, these first six chapters... And we move next week into more of the prophetic part of Daniel. Let's remember that, that, that the same God that rescued Daniel will rescues us from our sin. You know, if you trust in, in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he will deliver you from your sin. You see, those who trust in him are counted righteous. In the eyes of God, and our sins are forgiven, they're taken away. All of us need to be delivered from that den of sin. If that's what you need today, 
I want you to run to the cross. And don't delay. Do it now. Run to Jesus. And he will save you from this den of sin that you live in. The Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion looking for people to devour in John 10.10. It says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then Jesus gives us the good news. He says, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. This is God's promise to those who trust on Jesus as their Lord and Savior. For those of you that have been delivered, have received Christ, and are walking with Him, we must understand that we will face hostility in one form or another because of our faith. But God will use you to touch people that you never expected you would touch, who you don't even know are watching you if you live lives of, of, with godly character. But we, like Daniel, have to decide which king we will serve. Will we serve the king of this world? and ourselves, and our stuff? Or will we serve the king of the universe, King Jesus? We must choose, because you cannot serve two masters. Because we ultimately become what we worship. So, let Daniel, let his example encourage you to follow the one true king that Daniel served and let the one true king use you to change and impact the world that you live in the way that Daniel did for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, You give us, through your word, a beautiful example of what it means to, to, to live a godly life. In Daniel, you give us an example of, of a man who lived in a pagan culture even worse than ours, and yet remained faithful to the one true God. Father, empower us this morning to live lives of character. As we go from here, give us, through your Holy Spirit, the power to, to, to live in our environments, whether it's work or school or home or wherever that is. Live lives that, that are attractive and, and that cause people to ask questions about our integrity. Father, change us, empower us to live for you. Father, give us the courage to live with the lions. 
remind us of your power to be able to deliver us from the lions. May we live lives that are beautiful and reflect you. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.